the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In steadfast obedience to God's call upon his life, Pastor Rander continues to challenge us with stimulating questions that we must answer if we are to live a committed, God-filled life. We cannot reach our full potential short of giving God, rather than this world, our very best. The only way we can maximize our God-given capacity is to walk by faith at all times and in all things. God's Word tells us that we must look to the hills for help. Where does our help come from? It comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Thank you for joining us today. As you listen in, you'll want to take notes, so keep pen and paper handy. I want everybody to turn to the gospel of Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Look what it says. But Jesus said, you have to wonder who's talking. He says who's talking. But Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Don't you be so quick to quit. Don't you be so quick to just give up. It's one thing to transition from one ministry to another or transition from one church to another for more growth and to flourish and to be all that God has called you to be. But it's another thing to leave the church and just stay out. I said at the funeral services last uh, Friday when I was preaching and say, oh, yeah, you think you don't need church? You need the church. You need the church. You look at that television, talk about television, my church. No, that's not your church. You deceive. If that's your church, let them bury you. If that's the church, let them bless your babies. Let them come see you when you're sick. They're going to come baptize you when you get saved? They're not, they're not the church. The Bible says don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You have gifts for us. We have gifts for you. And, and, and you are not exempt from church attendance. Now, let me give a word of encouragement for those who are enduring in the trenches of ministry. This is really powerful, and I want you to get every point because it is absolutely critical. Encouragement for those who are enduring. It encourages my heart, and I pray it encourages yours. Number one, acknowledge God in all decisions. Is the difference between progression and regression. Acknowledge whom and how many decisions? It's the difference between progression and regression. You know, I even pray about what I'm going to put on this morning. He said, I said, Lord, what do you want me to put on? And I get, I put it out at night so I'm not trying to think about what I'm going to put on in the morning so that I can be on time for you. Amen. You, you should all be not wrestling trying to match up colors on Sunday morning. I can't find my shoe. All decisions. Now, you say, that's a, that's, not, that's a big thing. How you dress before the Lord means a lot. You know what? If, when, when you consider 
God, you won't wear dresses that split too deep. My wife and I were walking into Macy's a few weeks ago, and we saw this sister that was quite stocky. And she had a dress that went up. I mean, I'm not lying. The dress went up to, it stopped right here. Even the, uh, what's that man, what's those people that, that rings the bell out there in front? Salvation Army. You know what I'm talking about. He said, ooh, now you know that's too short. Now when the Salvation Man say that, now you know. I, I just want to say so loud, amen, brother. She was drawing some attention, walking in that, and I was trying out. I with my wife, and I was trying not to look. That was arresting folk. I got eyes. You men know what I'm talking about? That's hard. Good night. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. I'm trying to get the next point to get y'all off of that. <laughs> and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your, how you dress, how you carry yourself. You pray about who you let in your house. You pray about who you're going to give money to that's holding a thing saying, I work, I, I'm hungry. Some folk, I'm led by the Spirit. Some folk, I'm not. I, I say, Lord, do you want me? What do you want me? Lord, is this it? Do you want Lord, I don't care how small it is, how big. Seek the mind of Christ. Making poor decisions without seeking the mind of Christ is extremely dangerous and causes setbacks in the race. Setbacks in the race. Okay? Uh, making poor decisions without seeking the mind of Christ is extremely dangerous, and many of you have set yourself back in your finances because you did what you wanted to do. There's no reason why you ought to spend yourself to brokenness this holiday season. That's not the will of God. I mean, you broke, can't give, can't tithe, can't do. I mean, you just absolutely broke, and you're in a depression when those bills come due in January. Number two, being in the will of God is not without its hardships. This is a word of encouragement for you, all of you, whatever ministry you're serving in. Being in the will of God is not without its what? Hardships. I love what 2 Timothy 3.12 says. It says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. You see, enduring hardship does not mean you're out of the will of God. As you run a race, there are hurdles and there are obstacles and there's, there are distractions uh, that come within running the race. I've seen races being run and dogs get out there. Or some bird fly by. Or the crowd becomes rambunctious. And all of those things become a hindrance in those Olympic races and what have you. All kinds of things get in the way of the race. Being in a race does not necessarily mean because you're having hardships, you're out of the will of God and you're in the wrong lane. Jesus had trouble from the day of his birth to the day of his death, and yet he was in the will of God. Well, I'm having a hard time. This mu- God, this must not be for, from you. I'm struggling. This must, yeah, it could be for you. Maybe those struggles and hardships are, used, are being used to refine you. 
and to build you and to strengthen you. Number three, word of encouragement. There are no shortcuts in getting where God wants you to be. Patience is a virtue. You know why some of you uh, get setbacks? It's because you look for shortcuts. Patience is a virtue. There's no such thing as instant maturity. You can't come to Christ today, be a spiritual baby, and six months later, you're a mature Christian. There's no such thing as instant maturity. Psalms 27, 14. I love it. If you can turn there rapidly, I would certainly appreciate it. There are no shortcuts in getting where God wants you to be. Patience is a virtue. There is no such thing as instant maturity. Psalms 27, 14. It says, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall what? Strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. How many of you have been in some situations that you know you wouldn't have been in had you just waited on the Lord? They said, why did I just wait? Y'all were in some, some relationships. You just could have waited. Bought a car you shouldn't have bought if you had just waited. A house you shouldn't have been in. Waited. Waited. Isaiah 40, 31. Isaiah 40, 31. I'm dealing with waiting passages because if you don't learn to wait on the Lord, you'll not finish well. Waiting. Say wait. wait. Say it again. Wait. Say it again. Wait. wait. Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You see, be patient and faithful with the saints, especially when you don't see the results you are expecting to see. You know, I've been working. I've been teaching. I've been trying to deal with him or her. I don't see nothing. Sometimes God says that about you. Mm -hmm. The Lord makes everything beautiful in his time. You have to be patient with the Lord. You got to be patient with yourself. And you got to be patient with others. Those are three things you have to be patient on. Be patient with whom? You got to wait on the Lord. You got to wait on yourself. It takes time for you to develop and grow and mature. And then you have to wait on others. Number four, on the encouragement. God does not want us to fear or worry about not finishing well. But rather, as we walk with the Lord, listen and obey his voice, he will help us to finish well. God does not want us to fear or to worry about not finishing well, but rather, as we walk with the Lord, listen and obey his voice, he will help us finish well. Oh, I hope I finish. I hope I don't let God down. Oh, I'm scared. God doesn't want you to live like that. He says, my child, my child, if you walk closely and intimately with me, if you hear my voice daily, huh? if you obey my voice after you heard my voice, you will finish well. You don't have to worry about it. Just activate that. Walk with the Lord. Listen to the Lord. And after you've heard from God, Obey the Lord. And if you do that on a consistent basis every day, you will what? Finish well. Finish well. If we're going, we're going to finish well, consider this, number five, a blessing for you. Running a successful race requires discipline. 
Running a successful race requires what? Discipline. If you're going to exercise discipline, it means you have to persevere. It means to endure. If you're going to exercise discipline in the Christian life, it means you have to resist temptation. And I'm speaking of every day. Every day we're tempted. Remain focused if you're going to be disciplined. You have to guard against what goes into your body as well as what on your body. I dealt with a while ago what goes on your body, but God is also concerned about what goes in your body. Your body was not made for drugs. Your body was not made for all that stuff. Examine and discipline yourselves regularly lest you be disqualified in the race. You must understand that ministry is fragile. Say fragile. It's very fragile. And as you endure in the race, there are some things you cannot afford to lose. Because life is so fragile, as well as ministry fragile. What things you cannot afford to lose? You can ill afford to lose your joy. You lose your joy, you in bad shape. You, you come to church, you can't even learn. A joyful spirit grasps more. Joy, joy. You won't have any joy around your grandchildren, your husband, your wife, your co-workers. Instead of seeing the glass half full, you always see it half empty. No joy. You can ill afford to lose your integrity. Your integrity is what you are when nobody's looking. Life is fragile. Ministry is fragile. You can ill afford to lose your family. Your family ought to be your most valuable commodity. And I talk to folk, I talk, well, I'm on my third wife. My third husband. They, they count. They don't care. There's no work next. No respect for marriage. No respect for the vow you made. God didn't drag you to the altar. You chose to, to do what you did. You can ill afford to lose your reputation because it affects your ability to minister effectively to the glory of God. So you have to position yourself to do effective ministry that will impact others without glaring sins. And you can, you can ill afford to lose your character. Say character. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27 says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. In other words, subjections mean bring it into submission. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Disqualified. And you know, if the race is not run in the right way, in the right lane, according to the rules of the race, guess what happened? The person who ran the race is disqualified. It doesn't matter how sincere they are. Number six. Here's a big one. Refuse to allow your past to paralyze you to the point that you cannot achieve your divine destiny. Get every ounce of that. Refuse to allow your what? Past to paralyze you to the point that you cannot achieve your divine destiny. Who among us is without regrets? Anybody in here, if you could do it all over again, there's something you would do another way? Who in here hasn't made a mess? 
Who in here has not sinned? Who in here has had it all right? Who in here has a, a past history where every nuance, nook and corner is, is a prized possession before God? Let me just get downright transparent with you. How many of you in here know that you know you know you got skeletons in your past? Let me see your hands. Amen. Now, let me tell you something. Well, let me know what's going on. Let me keep posing because this is big. How many of you here have been hurt before? How many of you have been betrayed? And I can go on and on and on. Listen, don't allow those things that have happened to you to paralyze you to the point that you can't achieve the divine destiny that God has for you. God knows how to restore what the locusts have eaten. Huh? But now you have to respond in such a way that the Lord can restore what the locusts have eaten. Don't say, I want the Lord to restore what the locusts have eaten, but you're responding uh, inappropriately to the point that God can't restore because you're not responding in a way that brings glory to God. Philippians 3.13 is a wonderful text on that. Just jot it down. I'll read it. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are where? Uh, Ahead. Listen, you can't run a race looking back. In the Olympics, how many people you see running looking this way? You You don't run looking back. Looking back will sink your ship. When are you going to let go? I mean, some of you have not finished well, and you've allowed your past to interrupt your now. You've allowed your past to interrupt the divine destiny that God has for you because of your inability to let go. This is the last month of the year, and we need to be challenged. A couple more, and we'll be done for today. If we fail to slow down, and allow the Lord to set our agenda each day, we will not finish well. If we fail to what? Slow down and allow the Lord to set our agenda each day, we will not finish well. That's real, real critical because life is so fast. Our personal schedules are too tight. Say too tight. We are too wired up. Say wired up. We're too wired up in a frenzy. And we cannot enjoy what God is doing now for trying to frantically get to the next thing. God is doing some wonderful things in your life now, but you can't even cherish the moment because you're so busy saying, what's next? Got to go. Satan can whip us with a good thing another way and bring fatigue because you won't slow down. You take all those vitamins trying to get yourself up. And the issue is no vitamin in the world will help you if you don't have sense enough to slow yourself down. Are y'all hanging with me? If you don't slow down, here's other things that will happen. Uh, You will become fatigued. You will have the inability to stay alert. You will not have clarity of mind because you don't slow down. You can't even think straight. You increase your stress which brings on heart attacks. Dear person of ours, uh, just heard this morning, a dear person we knew, wonderful artist that I've sung it with, uh, went home to be with the Lord, just 52 years old. 
People are leaving here at all ages. They're not leaving here at 80 and 85 and 90. I'm talking about folk in their 40s and 30s are taking off. Heart attacks, ulcers. You become so irritable because you don't slow down. You're agitated to the point of frustration simply because you put more on your plate than God intended you to have. We must, you know, one of the greatest things you can ask God, all of us, is to ask God to deliver us from the hurried syndrome. Say hurried syndrome. That's why sometimes God allows that train to come right in your face and then stop. <laughs> and just stop. That train don't even move. Uh-huh. That's why sometimes in the dentist's office or, or at the doctor's office, you get there at one time and it's an hour later before you're seen. Sometimes an hour and a half. God just wants you to sit. Now, do you just sit down? I don't need to be all the time. I'm paying all this money, paying all these copay, all this stuff. And look, it's the whole hour. Yeah, and they still ain't got me yet. Or do you take out a devotional or Bible or scripture memory and say, this is my God moment because God is trying to arrest my attention and slow me down. It's a matter of perspective. You know, and you, you miss your God moment because you so into yourself. The hurry syndrome is destroying all of us in this room. So you got to keep that in mind. Galatians 6, 9 says, I jot it down. Galatians 6, 9 says, and let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we will reap if we faint not. We will reap. Some of you are so tired and you exhausted. You have nothing to offer God on Sunday, can barely get to church, can get out of bed because you have worked yourself into a frenzy. 2 Thessalonians 3, 13 says, and I say to the rest of you, Dear brethren and sisters, never get tired of doing good. Never get tired of doing good. Never get tired of doing good. The next thing I need to say is be mindful that even though people are insensitive and your labor of love goes unnoticed, remember it's not in vain. Whatever you do for Christ, your labor of love for him is not in vain. First Corinthians 15, 58 says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. It's not in vain. If you're going to finish well, in, endurance comes by keeping your eyes on Jesus. Endurance comes by keeping your eyes on whom? The text says in Hebrews 12, 2a, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the object of our faith, is the key to running a successful race. Do not allow yourself to be distracted by the enticing distractions of this world. Don't be distracted by money and women and sex and drugs and alcohol and cheating and pleasure and entertainment. Keep your eyes on Jesus and refuse to lose sight of where you are headed. Finishing well means keeping your eyes on Jesus. Last but not the least, an inability to forgive will keep us from finishing well. Did you get that? An inability to what? Will keep us from finishing well. Those who refuse to forgive bears a heavy load. And life is difficult enough without dragging that excess baggage. 
Why are you going to make your load even heavier? Isn't life difficult enough without you dragging all that stuff wherever you go? You drag it to the church. You drag that heavy load to your house. You drag it to the job. You can't even go to a game and it's too long, too short. Oh, it's slow in here. Inability to forgive. It disturbs your peace. A heavy load. A heavy load. What's in that heavy load? Bitterness and grudge and anger. When are you going to just get over it and let go? Here are two scriptures that we conclude with. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. I want everyone to turn there as we're in the closing of scriptures. Matthew 6, 14, 15. When you find it, say amen. That's kind of weak. You're still turning. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. The first book of the New Testament. For if you, say me, forgive men their trespasses, their wrongs, their sins against you, your heavenly father will also what? Forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. In other words, if you can't forgive, stop praying. Mark eleven twenty five. another passage on forgiveness. Because that will keep you from finishing well. Mark eleven twenty five. look what it says. And whenever you stand praying, if you have some things, no, if you have what? Anything against anyone. I love that. I'm reading from the New King, King James translation. I love the translation. If you have anything against anyone, you know what anything is? I mean, wait a minute. What is anything? Anything against what? Anyone. Now look what Jesus says. What's the next two words? Forgive them. You know, it's no conditional on that. Well, they won't apologize. Well, they won't do right. I can't get the response I want. I ain't going to Who told you to put a condition on your forgiveness? Now, once you forgive them, and if they don't do right, you turn them over to Jesus, and Jesus will take care of that person. Forgive him or forgive her that your father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. If you hold back your forgiveness because you're not getting a proper response from the person you think ought to be be seeking forgiveness, then you're going to be in a mess because everybody's not going to respond like you think they ought to. And the greatest example of that is Jesus on the cross. His first words as he hung on the cross was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That person that mocked him, he said, forgive them. The person that plucked his beard, he said, forgive them. The person that pierced him in the side, he said, forgive them. Those who mocked him at the cross, he said, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. And he kept on dying for the very persons that were railing him. And he died with a spirit of forgiveness. Scripture tells us that in order to live according to God's plan for our lives, we must be steadfast and immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
It also tells us that we must forget our past and look toward those things that are ahead. In addition to the gift of a brand new year, God has given us the gifts of keeping the past where it belongs and looking to the present and the future, doing new things in him that shall spring forth. Isn't that good news? If you enjoyed this message and would like to hear more teachings by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located in Converse, Texas. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.